It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Hello and welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I am here, as always, with Serlina Maxwell. And we are joined by one of our favorite guests, somebody that we spent 2016 in the trenches with, Jess morales Raquetto. She works with Families Belonging Together and the National Domestic Workers Alliance. Uh, thank you so much for joining us, Jess. Hi! So good to be back with you all. Hello. Good morning. In, in, in a new administration, even. I know. It is it's so a great. new day. It is a new day. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I one of the first feelings I had when when Joe Biden, when the election was certified for Joe Biden was, you know, relief that there isn't an administration in place that will wake up every day and like have a Stephen Miller. Right. Who will, will like Ooh, his yeah. whole agenda is like to actively harm black and brown communities. Um, so I guess start there. Uh, let's start there. Uh, you know, what it, what mm-hmm. is it like to sort of every day live and breathe, you know, just trying to prevent harm, right? Because essentially when you're you're working in this space in a Trump administration, you're just trying to, to prevent the harm that's actively being done, right? They are trying to harm people. Um, when you shift away to an administration that is sort of like back to the status quo, which isn't actively engaged in harm, but harm does can can happen, right? Um, what is that shift like, and and how does that re realign your priorities for for how you you know have your to do list set up? Oh, I'm so glad I'm here. This is a question I've been wanting someone <laughs> to ask me because it's true. Like it does. On one hand, I cannot tell you, like, just the overwhelming sense of relief that I feel and that, you know, so many of the folks I work with on the border, the way we've just been talking, like, it really does feel like such a celebration. And honestly, we really need to celebrate because it has been so relentless. It has been so difficult and emotional. And, you know, and we're experiencing all of this secondhand versus, like, the families who have actually been separated, the families who have actually been, you know, victims of these policies. So it just feels like, wow, what an incredible moment. And also, like, we made it. And there were times when I was not clear that we were going to make it, and we did. On the other hand, you know, there are there's a moratorium on deportations right now that is being challenged in the Texas courts, and there are still families being separated. Um, a man last night was, um, you know, deported back to Haiti. He's literally never been to Haiti. There are 14 Haitian-specific deportation flights, which are just like um, U.S. government-run flights that just round up folks and, and deport them back to their home countries. Um those are happening in the next two weeks. And so there's a, it's, it's, it's like almost a little bit of a whiplash because you know, there's still so much work to do to actually make our immigration system be fair, be humane, be functional. 
even as all these amazing measures are being taken to reverse Trump policies and also even try to move us forward. But we're at the very beginning of those steps and there's so much work to do. So it's, it's, it's hard to hold all of that right now. Um, it's a lot. Yeah, it, it's, it's a lot. I, I want to ask about the deportations because Biden halted them. He put a 100-day mandate on deportations, mm-hmm. and yet every day I am hearing about ICE deporting somebody um, in defiance of the presidential mandate. Yesterday, they deported a woman who was a, an eyewitness in the El Paso Walmart shooting, actively talking to law enforcement about that uh, that massacre. Um mm-hmm. What what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, is has ICE gone rogue? Like, what what is happening? Yes, I mean, yes, ICE has gone rogue. CBP <laughs> has gone rogue. Like, they are rogue agencies. Period. End of story. Um, and that's really important because it. I think it really speaks to like the challenge that we have, which is we have a president who has made very clear that it is a priority of his administration to reverse these policies and try to change the immigration system. But you also have a massive federal government, a massive deportation machine that needs to be completely overhauled top to bottom for us to actually get the changes that we need. This review, you know, the, the, the White House basically has the power to tell the, the, you know, the government to review things and reviews usually end up resulting in repeals of policy. So we're hopeful Um, And we'll actively hold the administration accountable to actually doing something um, at the end of of their review, which is, um, you know, about 100 days. Uh, I think we're like in day 80 or something like that now. But this is going to take a lot of time because Mm -hmm. it's not just about the Trump administration. It's about the way the immigration system works. It is not designed Mm -hmm. to be humane. It is not designed to be welcoming. And... You're seeing that now because even when you have political will, policy will, the agency itself hasn't changed. And that's going to take time to root out literally the white supremacists that are ICE agents, that are CPV agents, and the way that that influences how they deal with every single case. And I've talked about this on the show before. Remember that every single ICE officer has what's called prosecutorial discretion, which means they make decisions about each individual case that they encounter. So an individual officer has a ton of power over yeah. a family's life. That's so yeah. important to understand. Um, but it's also pretty wild that ICE agents are just doing what they want. Is there anything anyone can do about it? <laughs> like at any point? Is there any... Like, like can, can President Biden do something about that? <laughs> feel like yeah, it's, it's really good question. great question great not question. good to have like a hunger games you know gestapo uh that uh mm-hmm. has no accountability no possibility for accountability at any point seems like a hitch in the giddy up yep i think president <laughs> biden can absolutely <laughs> no kidding um, president biden can absolutely do something about it but actually the people that i think are even more influential here are congress Congress has the ability to make immediate changes um, that include things like the budget for ICE and CPB, um, oversight hearings on cases, for instance, like this um, man who was deported um, yesterday, um, even though he's never been to Haiti, but they're sending him back to Haiti. Um, you know, and also um, 
I don't want to take away that individual agents are exercising their own decision-making power here. And I think sometimes in these conversations, it's like it can kind of be all about the system. In the case of immigration, it's also about the people. And they're the choices that they're making as they encounter these families in the way that they truly do not treat migrants like humans. And I think that's really important because I know that there is someone listening who has a family member who works, you know, in law enforcement, um, which is often cooperating with ICE and CPB, um, or maybe even somebody who works in law enforcement that's listening themselves. And I want people to really like reckon with that because there are individual choices being made here. In addition to the systemic changes that we absolutely need and that Congress can do, there's also real like personal action people can take. Yeah, it seems like this this is going to be a combination of uh, systemic overhaul, agency reform, and personal accountability. Like it's got to be mm-hmm. it's got to be a, it's got to be a law change and a culture change. Otherwise, we're not going to get where we need to be. But like ICE is relatively new. Like we don't actually need need that agency we 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 did just fine without it for a a very long time um do you think there's any appetite for getting rid of it or turning it into something that is less a tool of white supremacist uh crackdown i wish you could see me like my whole body just like (laughs) sort of got noodly i think that there is some appetite i mean Definitely, when I started doing immigration advocacy, the idea of, like, abolish ICE or even overhaul ICE, (laughs) that was, like, not on the table at all. So I don't want to minimize the change that we have had. Um, And in a really short amount of time, we have seen the abuses firsthand of what happens when, you know, this sort of rogue agency is kind of is untethered as they were in the Trump administration. So you can't go back from that. We can't, like, reverse that now. People know. I do think that... The conversation has been so shrouded in these two words of border security mm-hmm. um, that it is hard for people to understand what it could look like in the post, you know, like, well, how do we make sure we're safe? How do we make sure that there's not, you know, bad people coming in? I don't, I don't want to like, you know, I think it does a disservice to pretend like everything is like hunky dory. Like we should just, you know, like, Bad people, like, do exploit this system. Like, that is true. Um, And there are real national security issues that we have to worry about. And so what I think is really important for people to imagine for the future is what we like to call border management. And border management has, you know, is at the core of this idea of being fair and humane and functional. Border management welcomes people, treats them humanely, while also addressing the concerns that people absolutely have about, you know, what happens between the United States and the Mexico border, which is a, you know, major port and, um, and, and, and absolutely does need to be protected and monitored and all those things that we have to do to make sure people aren't trafficked, to make sure that drugs aren't coming in, um, you know, the, the bad stuff. But the good stuff, is the majority of what we would really need to be focusing on. Because if we could get to a place where we thought about welcoming as the way that we, you know, helped people out when they got here with, with welcoming centers instead of detention centers, um, with uh, agents who 
understand that people are at the end of a journey that is literally thousands of miles and we should treat them with dignity and respect that every human being deserves. You would also see some of the challenges with security change as well. I think a lot about defund the police in this conversation, which is the call to defund the police is a call to invest in our communities. And ditto, the call to abolish ICE or overhaul ICE is very much in that same um, garment of the criminal justice system and is a call to invest in a welcoming culture, not just get rid of the way that things were. Yeah. Yeah. In the, in the, I, I, yes, uh, I, I just want to like, I, yeah, I just want to like clink glasses to everything that you just said. But in the final, <laughs> in the final couple minutes, uh, I do want to ask about the kids who were separated because, um, you know, we want an update on that. Biden said he was going to start a task force that was, um, their, their directive was to reunite them. Um, has that happened? How are you, how are the families that you work with feeling? Oh, Yeah. This is a, it's a really big first step. And what I think is so important for everyone to know is that this is, this does not mean that families like got magically reunited. Now we have to do the work of reuniting families. The only way to ensure that every family who is separated is reunited is if we end MPP, the remain in Mexico policy that is still in effect right now under the Biden administration is one of the main reasons why families are still separated. So that is so, so important. We have to keep the pressure on. I believe that the Biden administration is working hard to reverse this policy, but they haven't done it yet. And that means we need to hold their feet to the fire until they do it. The other thing I would say is, you know, because the government and because of the many sort of like pseudo government entities like the UN and others um, haven't been involved in all of this uh, separation and, and MPP and, you know, people at the border, people like families belong together and like the heroes who do the shelters and the legal representation um, in the direct services, people like Alotrolado and Haitian Bridge Alliance who I've talked about before on this show, mm-hmm. they have really filled in the gaps. And this is a government-sized problem that, like, ordinary folks have, like, risen up to fill in the gaps for, and they're still filling in those gaps because, you know, it's it's not – the Biden administration just announced this. They haven't, like, implemented this. The government moves, you know, pretty slow. I think they're doing their best, but it's just a reality of any administration. And that means that they're still handling – you know, the meals every night for thousands of people. That means they're still paying for safe houses for trans people who are at risk living on the streets. means we're still in these makeshift refugee camps that people as families long together have like paid to put up a tent for Like that, that's where we are. And that means that, you know, we're ready to work closely with the administration in the absence Mm -hmm. of any administration, which is what's been going on for the four years and what's still happening right now. All of us are just getting, you know, kind of digging in deeper and hoping that this is the end of, you know, this chapter. But it's mostly still the status quo. And it's tough. It's really, really tough. Um, And we're very hopeful. But there's still a lot of work to do. If you could ask people to take one or two actions to help you get that work done, 
knowing who the serious uh, progress listeners are, <laughs> that they are the people mm-hmm. who do those kinds of things. Where, <laughs> where should, where should, like, we knew where to put our focus during the Trump administration. Like, we knew, we knew who to tweet our anger at. We knew who to call. We knew, like, what, what should we be doing with this energy now? Yep. Okay. Two things. One, this is, we actually do need to tell as many people as possible that the, the name of the game right now is end MPP. So tweet, Facebook, talk to your friends, Google more about MPP and really make sure that everyone knows we have to end MPP, that the Biden administration must end MPP as soon as they possibly can. This is incredibly urgent. P- people are literally dying. Like that is, that is literally happening. The second thing that's really important is we have now a moment around immigration and around permanent protections, not just executive orders that can be overturned by the next president, but actual permanent protections to change our immigration system, to overhaul ICE and, EP- and CPB, to reverse the policies of the Trump administration, and to get citizenship for the 11 million undocumented people in this country. And if you're, this is like a whole other show, we can come, I'll come back, we can talk about <laughs> Please this. Please do. Right now, Congress is pretending like they don't have the power to vote on bills about immigration. They do. You don't have to have just one bill or one vehicle or one moment on immigration. We can vote on 10 bills on immigration. (laughs) And we should be voting on 10 bills on immigration because this is a huge problem that we need to fix. So we have to hold Congress's feet to the fire on this because ultimately they are the only ones who can provide that permanent protection. And if this is not the time, when is going to be the time? Like truly, truly, if at the end of the Trump administration, we don't understand that there's the political will, there's the moral imperative, and also there's like the functioning government in the 21st century, like urgent need. I mean, come on. So that we got to like really raise our focus on them. I love I the love way you the deliver way. marching orders yeah, so me much. Too. <laughs> Just, come on. So good. Jess, are you an organizer? You just seem to have something in the way, in terms of the way that you give out instruction for, for what people need to go do right now. Very urgent. I just, it's, it's organizers, man. Change the world. We can only see who we are. You know what I'm saying? Yes, exactly. I love it. I, I am so grateful that you are who you are. And I have been very, very much in the last four years. And I if honestly you, can't wait to hear the sound of my voice. Clap one. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I just, I, believe I went that back we there. It's so, good. <laughs> it's so Jess good. Jess Morales Ricketto, we love you. Uh, please stay safe and sane. And we're excited to see what you can do in, in, in the new world where we have the opportunity to actually do some good as opposed to just stopping some evil. So thank you for being here. Please come back. We will talk soon. Thank stay you. Safe. Thank you so yes. much. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.